Welcome to Real Talk for the Nonprofit Event Pro, powered by Beyond, where we dive heart first into all things events in the nonprofit world. Hi, I'm Amy Milne, your host and CEO of Beyond and the Nonprofit Event Collective, where we believe that your events matter. You're not just hosting an event, you're inviting people to join you in changing the world. We're here to talk tricks of the trade and share tales from the trenches so you can produce epic events that inspire participants, raise more money, and change lives. Let's dive in. I am beyond thrilled to welcome Matt Glass, partner and chief creative officer of Eventage to Real Talk for the Nonprofit Event Pro podcast today. Matt is one of the OGs of peer-to-peer fundraising events and has been at it for over 25 years. Eventage is a full-service event production company that creates, designs, develops, and executes live events for Fortune 100 companies as well as blue-chip nonprofits. Matt is a passionate advocate for events in the nonprofit sector challenging organizations to plan and execute events that matter. Matt, along with his wife, Jen, manage a team that work all over the U.S., ensuring participants everywhere laugh, cheer, cry for the causes they walk, run, ride, or dance for. Matt is one of the best, and I know you're going to listen, take notes, listen again, and share this episode with your colleagues to ensure your next event is one that your participants will talk about for years to come. It is time to get real. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me very much. I am super excited to have you here. I selfishly get really excited to have guests on the show that I I know and I haven't talked to in a long time because before we press record, we get to hang out, which is like super fun. So we covered some stuff and we're going to, we're going to, we know what we're going to talk about and some of the stuff we do know and some of the, we don't. So the next 20, 30 minutes are going to be interesting. So Matt, I've had the pleasure of knowing you for many years now and the pleasure of working with you, but I don't know that all of our good human listeners know you. So please. Tell us who you are and what you do. Who I am and what I do. Okay. So I am Matt Glass. I live just outside of New York City in South Orange, New Jersey. My wife and I own Eventage, which is an event agency that was based in New York City for a long time, Mm -hmm. but it's now based in South Orange, New Jersey. We are 25 years old this year. So we started in 1998, which is hard to believe. That's crazy. It is crazy. So it shows a little bit of how old I am. It shows and how much expertise you have. Yes. Experience outweighs youth. <laughs> Considering that some, some of the folks who work for us now were not born when we started the company. Mm-hmm. So I'm often in the office giving musical examples. You know, who knows this and who doesn't <laughs> know that? And they all stare at me in right. the sense of, okay, grandpa, you know, I'm okay. sure Sticks is really great, but <laughs> you don't really want to know about that band. We're not interested. So I, my first real job in New York was working on the 1992 Democratic National Convention when oh, cool. this is way, way pre-internet, we had to deliver uh, hotel reservations to 69 different hotels. And the best job I ever got as a young guy was I would stop in at Columbus Circle in the morning. I'd get my print printouts of where I had to drop reservations. I would go out and spend the day all around New York, going to every hotel. So I got to know the city really well. Then the day that the convention happened, and then the day that the convention bureau offered me a full-time job, Macy's called me back and offered me a temporary job running Sandaland or helping run Sandaland. I ended up at Macy's because I needed a job living in Brooklyn. Right. And I was on the flying squad where you would show up in the morning and they'd say, we need help in ladies' coats or we need help in accessories. This is for the Christmas season, 92 maybe. 
91, 92. And one day they sent me to Santa Land. And I had done event work in college as an orientation leader. And I just, I did not like selling ladies' coats and I was awful <laughs> at it. But when I was told to help with line management and moving people and kind of running an attraction, I loved it. And then that day I met the guy who ran Macy Special Productions, who is the one who called me back so many months later and said, do you want a temporary job? I took the temporary job. Do I, I didn't even think twice about it. Right. And then unfortunately, Jack Damlos, who was my first kind of mentor and boss, who I did not know at the time had AIDS, passed away. And I didn't get his job, but I, at 24 years old, became the production manager for the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, Fourth of July Fireworks, Flower Show, Tapomania. It was, it was amazing and remarkable, and I had no idea what I was doing. It was trial by fire. And the other thing that happened is this cute redhead young lady became an intern and then what we called the parade runner recruiting balloons, balloon handlers and clowns. And she's now my wife and partner. She is now my wife and partner. We'll be married 25 years next, next year. So Macy's gave me everything. A woman named Jean McFadden was the first, was the executive producer of the parade for all the years I was there. And she is credited with turning the parade around from the 1970s to the 1990s. And I learned not only large scale production, producing one of the largest events yeah. in the world, but also yeah. branding. You know, if Gene, if we had a, the Bart Simpson balloon, it didn't have a Macy's star balloon behind it. Gene would have my ass. Like the, the, the parade is an ad. It's a three hour ad. The balloons are ads, the floats are ads, then it's an ad for a department store. And I also learned a lot about dealing with the public. We saw 300,000 people visiting Santa between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Whoa. And we saw the best of humanity and the absolute worst of humanity. <laughs> yep. It was, it was truly an education. I was the one at 5.30 PM on Christmas Eve telling people that Santa had left to go to the North oh. Pole. And I'm sorry. You know, they put the nice Jewish kid from Moscow, Long Island at the end of the line. But I learned a ton about customer service. I learned a ton about the public and working Macy's also, we do about half our events in the New York or New York metro area. I learned okay. how to do events in New York, which is certainly right. different now Huge. than it was then. But it, but then I went and worked in industrials. I left Macy's in 96 and I did pharmaceutical shows and car shows around the world. Pharmaceutical money in the mid nineties was big budget shows. We were like doing yeah. Academy Awards all over the, all over the planet. Jen went and did Broadway promotions and marketing on the road and, on, and in New York. And then in 98, in our apartment in the West Village with our friend Stephen from Vintage, mm -hmm. we started the company, not thinking it was going to be a real company, I guess. I think Jen right. always knew it. I, I kind of kept my freelance work in the industrial world, but I missed public events. Okay. I, I, I would get to do all these big shows in ballrooms around the world with the sales reps. And it just, it wasn't the same as being right. out on the street. And we've grown over the last 25 years. I think 24 of us now, which to wow. us is massive. Yeah, it's huge. And while probably 10 or 12 years ago, 50% of our business was nonprofit and 50% was branding events, you know, press conferences, mobile tours, media stunts, probably 85% of our business is now nonprofit. And most of that is peer to peer. Yeah. Huh. And is that by choice? It is by, by, it is, I wish I could say it's by design. Listen, I'm an English major and Jen's a psychology major. We have no business running a company that's still around 25 <laughs> years later. So to say that we had a plan is, right. is really nice. No, it is based on the fact that most of our competitors in the branding side got bigger and bigger and were swallowed up by right. multinational corporations like IPG and WPP. And 
we just became this tiny little event. We couldn't, we can't compete as well on that side. Whereas in the right. nonprofit side, right. because of like the peer professional forum, because we work with the biggest nonprofits in the country, people kind of know who we are, especially right. when it comes to the experience on things. No one knows who we are when it comes to mobile tours and stuff like that. And we right. used to be able to compete. And the other side of it is, instead of a brand spending $200,000 on, let's say, an event in Times Square, they'll hire an influencer now. And, right. you know, posting on Instagram is just as worthy to them as doing an event. So there aren't as many events as what we do. But right. really, it's that we just can't compete being our size and being independent. But I think I think we like the nonprofit side a little better. Well, and too, you're really though. good at it. I mean, I know firsthand you're really good at it. When I, when I worked in-house at SickKids, I, we were producing the great camp or the great camp adventure for the first time. And I had, you know, all this experience that I had from my early days working multi-day events and such and created this amazing event. And what I didn't have was ceremonies. I didn't have someone in Canada that had what you do for peer. I mean, you do so much for organizations, but I hired you guys, I hired Advantage to come and help us write our ceremonies and produce our ceremonies because it just we just don't do them in Canada the way that I experienced when I worked for an American company and then watching what you you and your team does in the US. And because I understood the value, I mean, you taught me that, I experienced it myself and we were able to hire you to come and do it for us here. And I still don't think nonprofits peer to peers up here get the ceremonies piece the way that you guys do it. I, I like to call you master of ceremonies. You're sometimes actually ever, but tell me a little bit about ceremony. I mean, we can talk about so many things, but a little bit about ceremonies. Like I think they're so valuable and I know you do. So what, what makes a great ceremonies? Why have ceremonies? Like talk a little bit about that. Well, I think especially when you come to peer to peer events, there are not many ways to talk to your participants. Sure, you can email them all day long, mm-hmm. but primarily, let's take a, a typical walk, run, or ride. The, there is only one time that you're going to have all of them together in one place mm-hmm. if you do it right. And Key, that is do it the, right, having them right. all there. <laughs> and there is an opening ceremony. And, and you know, so we have some rules that we go by. The model mm-hmm. that we create is to front load your messaging. In a, in a, in a dynamic opening ceremony that is 15 minutes, as close to 15 minutes as you can get and no longer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sponsors don't talk and politicians don't talk. And, you know, my, my, I, as I get older and crankier and more jaded, I have these lines that I keep hearing myself repeat. Like, I hate when someone calls it a mission tent or a mission moment. The yeah. entire event is the mission tent and the mission mm-hmm. moment. I think that a lot of nonprofits, including some we work with, Say, okay, here's a 10 by 10 mission tent. It's got a spinning wheel and some brochures and check. That's showing you what we do and why you should raise money for us. And that's not the way to do that. The idea behind a 5K. So in our world, we consider a 5K low barrier to entry financially and low barrier to entry physically. And then we consider okay. endurance that you need to probably train for it. And then you probably have to raise money. Right. But the typical 5K, you know, 60% of the people don't raise a dime. And if you don't tell them why they should raise money, then you're definitely not going to, going to get any money from them. Right. And if you spend your ceremony, so there's another thing I say is that we, we call it an on-site experience. So we do three things for the peer-to-peer. Pre- we do, we mm-hmm. do logistics, we do recruitment and fundraising council, and we do experience. And I focus on experience mm-hmm. and on-site experience is not hiring a DJ and giving out, you know, tutus and having 
people do Zumba. You know, right. it, it's it's not a bar mitzvah. And as a bar mitzvah, I can say this, bar mitzvah. Yeah. but an outside experience connects people to why they're there. No matter what your cause is, they have to walk away understanding, oh, I get what they do with the money I raise. And now I actually probably should have raised some money because I didn't raise any. I, I, I ate their bagels and I used their toilets. And I maybe even got right. a t-shirt. And the other side of it is the 5K walk world has a lot of competition these days. The experiential, the, from color runs to mud runs to, you know, it's all run in your underwear, run in your Santa suit. Mm-hmm. Those have an experience that people love. And it's very, even though I hate the term Instagrammable, it's, you know, everyone takes pictures of it or whatever else. Mm-hmm. But they're not charity events. What, what a walk for a cause has is someone who has lost their mom to breast cancer, someone who, you know, is someone who's struggling with Parkinson's right now. That is more powerful than any other reason to come to an event, but we need to give them an experience. And the typical 5K ceremony is usually the quote unquote mission moment where somebody gets up on stage and is given five minutes and they have a crumpled piece of paper. And then 10 minutes later, they're still talking and they are truly trying their best, but because people don't pay enough attention to the ceremony, it just kind of goes on and on. There's no use of music. There is they all they do is thank their sponsors. I might as well let their sponsor talk. They're, you know, we have crafted a design for a ceremony that gets people, as we say, to laugh, cheer, and cry all in 15 mm-hmm. minutes. And that's our goal. And it's not easy to do that because you have to say no to a lot of things and you have mm-hmm. to be really focused on paying attention to it. I, I think a lot of, especially national 5K, again, low barrier entry programs, the last thing they think about is what happens on stage. They, mm-hmm. they, they talk about getting their logistics done. They talk about making their team signs. They talk about mm-hmm. getting the food and drink. And they go, Oh my God, I need to get someone to, to talk. You know, who should it be? Mm-hmm. And maybe I'll get a doctor to come. And my, my brother is a world renowned neurologist who does yes, ALS. He <laughs> and doesn't need to be the one talking, you know, and it's like, we're going to get the local weather guy. Okay. But the local weather guy does no connection to your cause. And it's probably going to be another cause next week. So I am known for being a critical of, of local news people coming, but I'm not critical if they have a connection. Right. If, if they know someone who had heart disease, if they know someone who struggled with mental illness, absolutely have to do this. Mm-hmm. But if they're just there because they are a quote unquote celebrity, because they do sports five nights a week on the local NBC affiliate, I'd rather have someone on the board. I'd rather, have, you know, and oh, I certainly should pay anybody to do this. Right. But, you know, it, it all comes back to doing the work to design your ceremony so that it is impactful and that people remember it and that people feel connected and it's not just a DJ and a quote unquote mission speaker. Right. Totally. And I've seen it. I mean, we've seen it all and I'm, I'm sure there's some of our good human listeners going like, Oh my God, I'm like cringing right now in terms of like, that's what we do. So if you were, so if someone, you know, is thinking about doing an, a ceremonies for the first time, before they realize they need to hire you to do it. What, what does laugh, cry, cheer mean? So what if like, if you were going to sit down, if you were going to coach someone to do this on their own, where, what would you say are sort of like the three key components to a ceremonies? I think you need to put yourself in your participant's point of view. A lot of mm-hmm. times they're standing in a field, the weather might not be great. You don't have a lot of time and some of those rules. So, so. Mm-hmm. Let's say there's a kid zone. Let's say there's food and drink. When we do a ceremony for the national programs we do, everything stops 10 minutes before the ceremony and a voice of God announcement. 
which if I'm on site is me, mm-hmm. says every announcement ends with the opening ceremony starts at 8.30 a.m. We did a pilot for a national nonprofit walk series. And we were doing the pilot in Boston. And they said, no one comes to the opening ceremony. You're not going to get them to come to the opening ceremony. And I said, okay. And we had a whole new, you know, we had a, a experiential overlay, which was really actually pretty cool, which they're still using. And the thing is, I made an announcement every 15 minutes and the announcement ended with the opening ceremony begins at 8.30 a.m. And you know what? Once they hear that every 15 minutes, they're like, wow, I guess I'm supposed to go to the opening ceremony. Yeah. They, 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 you just tell them to do it. And if you put it, if you put it on your website, right. If you put it on the website or on a piece of paper, no one's going to pay attention. It has to be that day. So the first thing is pay attention to it and make it a part of the event. I hate when people say 8.30 opening ceremony, nine o'clock walk starts because that's your excuse to just come at nine o'clock. So the event starts at 8.30. And by the way, it shouldn't be nine o'clock. It should be 8.45. Yes. But so my first recommendation is make it a part of your event and then it's on you to make it worth it to come right. because right. you're going to get them all to stand in front of the stage with a, right. you know, whatever they may have with them. Like if you put a ribbon or something, you know, that you've created, then you got to give them a ceremony that is, mm-hmm. that is, it doesn't need to be, you know, Taylor Swift, right. but it needs to be engaging. Someone who knows what they're doing needs to edit that script and not just let yeah. everybody get there. We do not usually waste the word with, it's so great to be here. I'm so happy. What a great right. day. No. If we sometimes we have a storyteller who has been mm-hmm. affected by this cause and they just jump in to their story. Yeah. And the story is edited when we do it by mm-hmm. a professional. And mm-hmm. you don't have to hire a professional scriptwriter. I bet you somebody on your board or one of your volunteers mm-hmm. knows somebody who will at least look at a script. So the the idea is, and, and this happened, uh, the thing about sponsors. Oh, well, our sponsors have to talk. Well, no, they don't have to talk. Mm-hmm. And And we have a ride that we produce. And many years ago, the presenting sponsor was not going to speak, but I was giving him a role in -hmm. the ceremony of being a ceremonial bike that was passed down and then assigned by everybody. And his assistant said, well, no, he has to talk with a presenting sponsor. And I went back and forth and my client was the intermediary and I was like, just trust me. Mm -hmm. And after the ceremony, he came up to me and I still know him. He's still, they're still a part of the event. And he said, thank you so much for not making me talk. I don't know what I would have said. And that's the reality about a lot of these sponsors. They don't know what they're going to say. They're going to say, thank you so much. We're so proud to support this cause. And as soon as they start talking, so people take out their phones because yep. so, but I, I am all about thanking sponsors and making mm-hmm. them part of a ceremony, but they should Absolutely. not get a chance to be at the lectern. So there was those little things. Uh, you don't need us to do that for you. The, you know, right. we, 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 you need a sheriff and the sheriff yep. needs to say, this does not help us move people. And then it's end big. So right. that's the other, I guess if there, I think I'm supposed to give three. The it's third already, is, like, I, we, I'm sure people are like, tell me more. Don't, don't finish your ceremony and then do stretching. <laughs> finish your ceremony and then do the national anthem or O Canada. I have a whole thing about the national anthem at events, which is another, another topic. But anyway, you need to end the ceremony and let them go. Like it should yeah. be. It's not about logistics. It's about a story about why people are there. And then you send them off with great music and let them go. And then the other thing about the 5K, like when we used to do the Avon Walker Breast Cancer, then Avon 39, we had a pretty powerful closing ceremony. And in the old, old days, it was three days and then it was two days, but they deserved that closing ceremony. And they, yeah. the crew walked in and then the, yeah. but a 5K doesn't need a closing ceremony. No right. one's going to be there. Right. Do it all at the beginning. If you want to give out medals, 
to your top runners, go ahead and do it. But don't expect people to come and watch it. Don't expect, right. don't put your executives up there or somebody who you want people to pay attention to because it's just going to be embarrassing because no one's going to be there to see it. So everything should be down in the front and then have a great finish line. And, and, you know, our whole thing is you want the drum, the drum line, you want the cheerleaders, you want, do it at the finish line. Don't mess with your opener because you can get people to come check in, go get a bagel. And then I need them come to the ceremony. I, I right. don't need them to be paying attention to the band on stage right. or anything like that. So I am very selfish when it comes to that is my job yeah. is to make people care about this cause. And I can't do that if they're distracted. It's like we did another pilot last year, year before of a national walk program of their new onsite experience. And one of our pilots was at a zoo in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And they used to do it the beginning inside the zoo. And their most famous animal is this adorable red panda. And I said, I can't compete with a red panda. So the nice thing is the zoo had just opened this pavilion area just outside the gates, which had a beautiful center grass area and an own built-in stage. Mm-hmm. And we moved it out there and it was great. Now, the other thing was nobody came back. We did the opening ceremony. We did our whole right. thing. And then they went to the zoo. But that's right. okay because I got my messaging out at the beginning. I didn't need them to come back because I can't mm-hmm. compete with the red panda. But right. don't, you know, that's the whole thing about another, was it that same client? They do it at a baseball stadium. Mm-hmm. Which I am not a fan of, but, but especially if you do it at the stadium, we ended up right. outside the stadium at a grass area in Florida, yeah. open space. That's what I need. I need a big open space yep. where we can control the narrative. Yep. But they used to do it where the ceremony would take place on top of the dugout and the audience would sit in the seats and they're like, that's so cool. Uh, okay. But it's not a baseball game. It's a right. walk for this cause. And how do you talk about the cause in a powerful way? And we do things where, you know, people, are and you know they may be hold hands yeah i don't know if we can hold hands again but we used to hold hands before the pandemic. yeah sure did hold um, the hand of the person next to you uh, well yeah hugging and holding hands were the cheapest effects we could do yeah. but anyway <laughs> I, I i when they always say you know some nonprofits spend a ton of money to walk through like major league baseball stadiums mm-hmm. and you can go along the the track like you can get to the Rogers Center and do that. And, mm-hmm. and they spend a lot of money. And you think, is that why they're there? And if they're there just to do that, they're probably not going to raise money for you because they just want to go on right. the morning track of the Rogers Center. So your best venue, I know I'm skimming around here, though, is just a field that has no competition. You, you know, mm-hmm. you want to be the center you of the make it yours. And you should be able to make it yours. So we're right. trying to move events away from, you know, at least. The original Avon Walk for Breast Cancer, actually, we did one year in Cincinnati at, at Paul Brown Stadium, which is not called that anymore. That's where the Cincinnati Bengals play. And okay. we were adjacent to the stadium. Like, it was up next to us. So it right. came with nice parking. It came, but we weren't, right. we still had an open space that we could work with. Uh, right. So so I think in, in selecting a venue, it has to be, and, and if you are now going to say, I'm going to focus on my ceremony, you need a venue that offers sight lines, that offers the way able to hear that everyone can be together and then... You send them off and then you have a party at the end and don't expect them to come back and stay. Yeah. And I, like, as you speak, I, I will never forget. And, and this is, you know, 20 years for myself, like the weekend, like listening to the end of the ceremonies for the weekend and breast cancer. And it was the weekend and breast cancer officially begins and the music gets loud. And within that and just watching the pride and the people and they're, you're literally sending them on a journey. And it could be a five kilometer journey. It could be a three day journey. It, it just, it's so important and it, like it stays with you. 
And those are the moments to your point that you want. Like, I know what that was. It was the weekend at breast cancer. And I was supporting breast cancer. Like, I know what that was versus like, hey, you got a hot dog in a park. Like, I can't remember what charity it was for. Like, it was kind of all right. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and I just, I think ceremonies, even if you're not expert level like yourself, you can still, like you said, have a script. Like, it's not a crinkled piece of paper. You don't necessarily need a teleprompter, but you need a script. And scripts are what people read from. And people know what their roles are. And they're practiced. And there's a dress rehearsal. And all of that is doable on every level of a budget and at every level of experience. To your point, there's people who can help them with that, right? I mean, there's AI at this stage of the game. It could probably be a good first draft to be like... Put me out of a job. Absolutely. (laughs) It's not because we all have personalities. It's going to be a good, like, I always got to look at AA right now because I also as a copywriter and a writer is like, it's a great first draft, but it makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. But it's, but to me, there's now no excuse to not say, Hey, think like a producer of a ceremony, like, give me a ceremonies for breast cancer. Like, try it. But the music too is so important. Like, there's so much there. And you, and you did share so much in that in like the big open field, like stuff that you, stuff that you get to make yours. Cause it's your product. It's your, your event is your sellable item for your cause. And, and, you know, in in the rules, when I speak to groups sometimes about, you know, event experience 101, which is beyond just the ceremony, it's, it's everything from your banner package to signage to where you put volunteers to how you greet people. But, you know, there are a couple, rules there is music mm-hmm. on the entire time people are there and there are curated playlists you know if it's 5 30 in the morning you're not hitting them with the hard stuff it's some acdc like there you know, parts of the ceremony don't have music but parts of the ceremony can yeah. and i you know we still use and when we do things in multiple cities at the same time we use old school ipods for underscores yeah. it's got to have a great walkout or ride out track mm-hmm. and i always say you know how many of you have used walk this way as a as a walkout track and a couple of we raised our hands and I said, you need to Google the lyrics to that song because yep. you will never play it in public again. <laughs> but you, you need to, and, and ultimately when, when we are part of an event and sometimes we're producing the entire thing or sometimes yep. we're only doing the ceremonies, we are there to be the person who pays attention to that ceremony. I think a lot of times in the smaller organizations, it's the same person who has been trying to recruit more teams, has been trying to do, mm-hmm. you're doing the, the, the permit. And then, oh, I also need to be this quote unquote stage manager, but I can't stage right. manage because I'm over talking to the police. So one of the things that we always say is someone has to focus on this. And, and yeah. when we do our, our audits at the beginning of, a, of an engagement, it's, do you have a stage manager? And they say, well, no, but you know, Ashley usually does it. She comes over and she, or the DJ does it. I love the right. DJ does. It. And, and the DJ, you know, it's like the DJ brings the sound system. Well, if you have a bigger event, Again, if you're going to focus on this ceremony and stop it, everyone needs to be able to hear it. Yep. And I, I think it's great that a DJ will donate his or her sound system. But odds are that sound system is going to reach the first 100 people. Yeah. And then beyond that, if they can't hear it, they're not going to pay attention. We, yeah. we had an example once where we had a client at a pretty big event come up to one of our people and say, can you turn the sound up? But they can't hear. And he said, he stopped and he said, actually... I can actually hear it, but no one's paying attention because of the content. They're, right. They're, they're saying anything they want to hear. Right. And as soon as you start, it, it's like a, a, a pre-show deck for a slide. You know, we, we do have video screens at some of the outdoor yeah. events and we do, we do three galas a year and we certainly have things mm-hmm. up on a screen when, and I always say, if it all it is is sponsor logos, people are going to stop watching after the first three slides. Totally. It, it's the same thing with the ceremony. If it's just lists of thank yous, mm-hmm. 
people are going to stop. We, we produce a pretty big commencement for Rutgers Newark in the Prudential Center in Newark. And I always use this example of a commencement in that all the, we have 18,000 people come to that arena and most of them are listening for one name. That's all they care about. Right. They want right. to hear their kid or their right. husband or wife's name. And that's it. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing is once, you know, you start listing the long list of certain of sponsors, there's one sponsor who wants to hear their name and everyone else doesn't right. care. Right. So, so don't do it. I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm harshing on sponsors. I don't mean to. We can't no. do these events without sponsors. No, we need them and they're part of it. But they also, but I also think they'd be like, hey, high five, Matt, because I don't want to do the traditional stuff. I don't want to stand up. I want to participate. I'm proud to be a sponsor, but I don't necessarily want to st- awkwardly stand up in front of a, especially if I don't have a connection to the cause, right? Like mm-hmm. if I have a connection to the cause, it's very different. And I'm grateful to be asked to to be a speaker and be a part of a ceremonies. But if I have no connection in my company, company does, or for whatever reason we decided, I don't want to be that awkward person that's standing in front of a bunch of pink t-shirts or yellow shirts or like mm-hmm. that is probably one of the hardest stages to stand on and i think that you know our nonprofit partners don't necessarily think that way they're thinking like oh they gave us money they need to or want to or we put it in our package like but you right. could take actually, it out of your package take yeah, it out like, of your package right out don't ever I'll, let them I, speak I, again i often ask if you told them that you're not going to have a speaking role but you'll be thanked during the opening ceremony will yeah. they walk away will they say well i'm not going to yeah. And maybe one out of 20 might, might do that. Right. The other, the other tip is if you do have a laundry list of sponsors to thank, do it voice of God pre ceremony, do it totally. voice of God during the finish line. Mm-hmm. You know, our rule is during the ceremony, we thank three to five sponsors top tops. Mm-hmm. That's all you get. If you are of a certain level, you get thanked from the lectern during the ceremony. But other than that, you get thanked with everybody else. And, yeah. and ultimately sponsors want more than just their name on the back of a t-shirt with 15 other names and they want more than just a, a mention they want an integrated experience and which mm-hmm. we've been able to do for a couple of our clients when we've created these new experiences on site they are very sponsorable right. so you know they they get to like from the, 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 the light the night for the kingdom reform society it's now the circle of survivors which we created presented mm-hmm. by pharmaceuticals so sorry and jansen they are now the, the presenting sponsor of survivorship and hope. So oh, our work cool. together wow. enabled our client to go out and sell something more than your name on a banner. And yeah. that's what the onsite experience is. And it doesn't just need to be about a ceremony, it, you know, and we don't sell sponsorships, but we right. I think are pretty good at figuring out what sponsors want. Want. And and you know, I'm I'm on a crusade to get rid of sponsor logos on T-shirts altogether because I think it's stupid. That, yep. That you know, someone's going to look at it and go, "Oh, I really should go to that bank because their three-inch logo is on the back of that thing." So no, and nothing so boxes I could step up. Oh, I love it. Wall. I like so boxes. I T-shirts are one of mine. Ceremonies are one of mine. All inside experience is one of mine. When you talk about experience and that's your role, what are you? Like, what is involved in thinking about experience at an event? Because someone might be like, well, oh my God, experience is just, you know, people come and they, they, the event is like the run is the experience. But talk to me a little bit about, you know, a couple of points for you that are like key when it comes to creating an experience at an event. Well, so our phase one is always surveys and interviewing participants and Mm -hmm. finding out where the event is. What's the Mm -hmm. current state of this event? And 
For the most part, I can, after all these years, pretty much predict what we're going to hear back for a right. lot of these programs. And one of the things we hear the most is I think it's so great to come to Event X because I get to be with my friends and my family and I get to see my team or we're a corporate sponsor and I get to hang out with the people from the office, not in the office. And then when we say, but is there a moment where you all are together, the entire community for this cause? And they say, no, not really. And, and so to me, the experience means for a lot of our causes, be it type one diabetes or suicide, or it's great to be around people who get who mm-hmm. understand and, 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 you know, runners not don't as much as walkers do. I mean, I think yep. run walks, I, I think people are wasting their money on runners a lot of times because they turn on their timer and go run and go home and yep. they couldn't give us about your cause. But anyway, 100%. What, what we need to do is connect them all in a way beyond the people they come for. I mean, yes, they're there with their team and they're there for their mom and. You know, it's like we work with National MS Society and we determined that so many people are there for one person. They are right. this, this circle of support, which became what we, what we created for them. But we need to, to get you in your circle to connect with the other circles that are there too. So one of our jobs is to make you feel like one big community mm-hmm. and not just the team that goes to the tent. Mm-hmm. Tangent, again, I just had this mm-hmm. conversation again. We are on a crusade to eliminate team tenting. And I know that that is some con- controversial that you raise $10,000 and you get a 10, 10 by 10 tent. And I say, stop doing that because you're no. going to put, you're going to spend money on a 10 by 10 tent mm-hmm. and you are automatically starting to divide your community because mm-hmm. that team is going to go to that 10 by 10 tent for 11 minutes mm-hmm. and then they're not going to go back again. They're going to leave half of their catering there. That's going to look like crap. So mm-hmm. not that we don't want to honor teams, but we are moving toward a team area. Mm-hmm. where everybody who raises a certain amount of money gets entered into this larger area. Mm-hmm. If your team raises a certain amount of money, maybe you get your own table with your sign on it. Yeah. But and then we get you all out of there for the opening ceremony, but then you can go yeah. back afterwards. And and the infrastructure for team tenting on some of these events is significant. Mm-hmm. And again, the question would be and we just switched a national nonprofit from team tenting to this group thing that fit in our right. thing that we created. And the question is, are they going to stop coming because they don't get their stupid 10 by 10 10? And the answer right. is no. You right. need to do it in a way that is smart and you're not just springing it on them. But for the most part, these people, the 10 is a nice place to meet. Right. But they can, people have cell phones now. We, I mean, this is how long right. I've been doing this. We used to do right. team, team, team meeting areas where we had because giant you letters. couldn't connect otherwise because there was no right. payphones in the middle of a park. Like, <laughs> right. You, if you're with Macy's, you'd have to go to the big yeah. M sign and meet under the Macy's team. Right. You know, you can do that anymore. No, we so, don't. So, I, I, I would say that our desire to create experience through eliminating team tenting is not only because you can save money and maybe put it towards a better sound mm. system or whatever. But it also doesn't give people an excuse to stay in their silo. It, right. it makes people interact with each other. And, and that's why some of the things we create where what you wear or something you carry represents your connection mm-hmm. to the cause starts conversations. Exactly. What we created for the nonprofit that we actually did the thing in Boston for, the lanyard that held the item we had mm-hmm. was represented the color, the color represented your connection to this cause. And okay. afterward, the local office, the ED at the local office said, well, the best thing about this was it gave me and my staff a reason to go talk to people. Because I saw they had that color and I would go, mm-hmm. oh, you love someone with this disease or you know, yeah. wh- whatever it was. It, it, it ends up, our goal is to get everybody together. Mm-hmm. And if we, I don't know if this answer is a way longer question. No, but it's, what, but what, it, what it is experience, experience being together? 
it's together and it's in a thoughtful and meaningful way. And the things that you've shared, Matt, like they don't, you're spending money on a lanyard anyways. You're spending money, like I would rather, you know, one of the things we did for the Great Camp Adventure that I loved is like we did t-shirts in different colors for more than just survivors and more we did, we honored the parents, we honored the nurses, we honored the, the staff, like because that shows the community, at least that was for us in that moment, that showed the community of all the different people that it took to like care for a child or that, you know, like there was ways, cause it is, it's like ways for you to talk to people. And it's, it's also like, oh my gosh, you're a sick kid's kid or, you know, oh, you're a breast cancer survivor. Like that's anything that you can do that's visual and then meaningful. And this, the logos on the back of the t-shirt are not meaningful. The color of it or what you're cool. Like I'm, I'm a big soapbox fan of like, make your t-shirts cool. Like I want to wear a, a concert t-shirt. Why can't you make a concert t-shirt for your event? Like, I think I still like t-shirts. They're a staple in my wardrobe and I have event t-shirts. Like I will pay $60 for a concert t-shirt. Make them cool. So you wear them. Cause I always say like wearing them to bed doesn't help anybody. Yeah. Uh, like you don't like from a marketing perspective, but I think ultimately what, what you're saying. And I think that I hope people get is that it's, it's a group of people that are there for the cause and make the cause the reason people are there. It's that simple. But people have lost that. I haven't mentioned the walking or the running at all. Right. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that that everything I've talked about so far is when they're standing still, which yeah. at a typical 5K is the most of the time. Right. They're going to get there early. They're going to get ready to go. You're going to you know, tell them to go. If they're walking, it's 45 minutes, half an hour, 45 yeah. minutes. If they're running, it's even less. And then they're back. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what are you going to do with them while they're standing still? That's yeah. when you have them. And I'm all about, you know, interesting things out of the route, you know, but when we design these things for a national program, the only thing we know that would hopefully be the same is the start finish. Cause I can't right. control what the route's going to be right. in all totally. different markets. It could be, it could yeah. be totally different. So I just, I think my, my plea is that people just pay attention to it more. You don't have right. to hire somebody. You don't have to have, you know, fancy stuff. I, I always say it, it doesn't cost money to, to tell a good story. You no. just, you just need to focus on it and realize that if you focus on your onsite experience and your ceremony in particular, it will help you. It will help yeah. with retention. It will help totally. with people bringing a friend back the next year because mm-hmm. especially if your cause is not, you know, I, I think that there are causes that everyone cares about and that has evolved. Right. I think it was AIDS. I think it was breast cancer. I mm-hmm. think lately it's been uh, autism and mental health mm-hmm. causes where uh, I used to do the AIDS walk in New York City. I did have a connection because of Jack. And, but, but a lot of these causes that we work on, only people who care about it are the people who are affected by it. Right. But if you can give them an experience that makes them laugh, cheer and cry, maybe they will bring their neighbor the next year. Maybe they will right. feel like you should really come to this because you're going to understand my cause better. But I also think you're going to have a great have time. Fun. Like, have fun. Like that's kind of part yeah. of it. Like and one of the moved. and be moved. Yeah. And 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 be motivated. I mean, if if you're moved, then you're empowered and you and you're surrounded by people that are that are fighting, that are have that have won or have taken a journey or whatever it may be, but you're surrounded by people who want to do something bigger than themselves. And if showing up at the 5K is the first place that they do, great. And then if you hook them and you create that community, like anything, if we're part of a community, then we support that community and we want to come back to it and we want to bring people to it. And I think 
you know, so many times in this, you know, you talk about celebrities that like people start to like go for things that just don't even matter because they have nothing to do with why you're doing the work that you're doing. And I just, I think I like that is something that's so important to me is wherever you can integrate your cause or the reason you're there is just, it's, it's vital. And why wouldn't you? Because it's not like Coke sells a can of Coke, but doesn't put Coke in it. So why would you have an event that you don't infuse your cause into? Because it's, because it's not your priority. And because the typical right. 5K from 1970, I think, when the right. first March of Dimes walk was, was mostly about the walking. And, right. and, and I think, you People know, are still stuck budgets, there. budgets are low. There are not a lot of staff. The mm -hmm. things are contracted out and you just need to get someone to pay attention to it and yeah. say, if I was out there in the audience, I'd be asleep by now. So we're not going <laughs> to let that person, you know, go on and go on. So, right. you know, we, we do this for a living. So obviously, and as I said, I'm biased. I'm, I'm the yeah. worst guy to have in the audience. I, I'm right. critical about everything. You need someone who is kind of like the advocate for the people standing there. They, they yeah. got up on a Saturday morning. They came out to do this. Maybe they raised some money, give them mm -hmm. something. That doesn't suck. Pretty much. You can put, put yeah. that on a t-shirt. I love it. My t-shirt doesn't suck. <laughs> if you were to offer someone, so give me a couple of tips that you, or things, or if you have a soapbox moment or something about, because you also do like coaching and you help people pre-showing up and standing on an event. And so what are, you know, people are, I always hear a lot of nonprofits like, oh my gosh, I can't send anybody another email. They're not paying attention. Like I shouldn't. How do you, because to me, a lot of that starts ahead of showing up and I know that mm -hmm. you agree as well. And so what are some of the, the things that you find that your teams are doing or you're helping your clients with right now, cut through that clutter or start to build that community ahead of standing in that empty field with a good sound system? Well, as much as older person like me hates to say it, it's social. You know, the, I don't think email is dead. I think that, that I don't email either. is still used by a ton mm -hmm. of people. Mm -hmm. I, I think that email is essential for long form information and things yep. like that. But I think using social, using quick videos, having mm -hmm. a personality behind your event, you know, with events mm -hmm. that have coaches in them, the larger events and the minimum fundraising events, we used to have more of them, but it's coach, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it's coach Amy, it's coach Matt. And here I am. Yeah. And today we're going to talk about you know, fundraising today, we're going to talk about whatever. Yeah. It, it needs to be, there needs to be a personality behind your event. You know, we're starting to talk about what's, what is your event's voice, you know, finding mm -hmm. your event's voice, but that literally who's talking to these people. It's better than just the staff. It's a mm -hmm. person. And I think if that person, especially a younger person who is really good at social can start having conversations with your participants on social. Because remember, you've got two audiences. Audience A is all the people out there who might sign up. Right. And then once you got them, then you need to speak to them differently. So we, as we right. used to call it segmentation, you know, the, yep. you, you have to speak to different people as to who they are. And you've got, right. you know, let's say if it's a ride, you've got, you know, your riders from two years ago who didn't re-up this year. Mm -hmm. They get a different message, you know, mm -hmm. and that message you know, the, the scary thing about social is that you can target people in a certain way. That's mostly for audience <laughs> then. And, and you know exactly what they <laughs> click on and, you know, you can yeah. see your return. But I, I think a, a healthy mix, I also think not over communicating, especially mm -hmm. with email is important, but it's, it's not easy to get people to pay attention to anything. You know, we <laughs> do a ride that moved 
from the west side of the Hudson to Westchester County this past year. And we had a rider coming from California, I think. And mm-hmm. he asked if we were providing transportation to Central Park. Central Park has never been a part of this event ever, ever. And we do plenty of stuff in Central Park, but you know, our, our person was like, I'm sorry, did you say Central Park? Because they don't read. They don't, right. they, they, he just, he's from California. He thought everything, I don't know, happens in Central Park. But that, that is the key. And also, I don't think that the world of the phone call is over. I think I don't that, either. That, that phone calls, even if it goes to a voicemail, voicemail, even if it, you know, and there's obviously texting and you can always mm-hmm. opt out of texting, but you need to communicate with them in all different ways, especially mm-hmm. with key things like don't come to Central Park because that's <laughs> not what the event is. And then, you know, so we, for this event, we're just doing bike shipping from Manhattan up to this event. And we found out that a bunch of people had registered for the bus to get them, but had not registered to ship their bike. So we made phone calls to everybody and think, right. did you know that you didn't? Oh, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. Just, right. it, it, you need to, to go where the people are yeah. and fill the holes in the fact that no one reads anything. Mm-hmm. But your original question was about how do you prepare them? For, first of all, your voice that, yeah. that happens on site should start mm-hmm. beforehand. And video is a great way to do that. Yeah, big time. To start telling some quick stories to, you know, we, we just said, got the results from ads we did for an event. And it's so obvious the ones with more words don't perform as well. Emails mm-hmm. too. You know, how many click, yeah. click opens for emails? The more words, the, the worst. People right. just don't read. It's so, short. The brain you know, doesn't want to consume calories. It takes a lot of calories. Like yeah. our brains are there to help us survive and thrive. They're not there to read four page emails. Like if you give me a short and here's a plan and here's three steps I need. Great. Human beings need to be told what to do, how to do it and where to be. Three steps, not 20. And that three. That also quickly goes to staff communications. So mm-hmm. years ago, we worked on a national walk program that had a quote unquote, wasn't called the playbook or the toolkit. You know, everybody's got one. Mm-hmm. It was 85 pages long, like single-spaced in Microsoft Word. Right. And I said to them, no one's reading this. You're trying to get your staff to know what to do. So we worked with them to put together a deck that had graphics and infographics, and we shrunk it down. Because Mm -hmm. if you think the participants aren't going to read it, your staff isn't going to read 85 pages. And in page 72, it tells you how to lay out the site where the (laughs) toilet should go. No one's going to pay attention to that. So I always say this. And anybody who's heard me speak before will say, oh my God, he's saying it again. There is an old line attributed to a bunch of people from the 15th century on. That is, I'm sorry that I wrote you such a long letter. I didn't have time to write you a shorter one. Because it is easy to just word vomit and throw yep. everything out there. It is hard. This goes for your ceremony and your, all of your communications. Yeah. To do it shorter, to get a good mm-hmm. editor, to cut it down. I just, we, I help out a nonprofit that we're connected to through my family with their speeches, remarks for this, this development disabled community. And I can't go to the event this year, but they send me the people's remarks. And I say, I feel bad. I just, I chop them. I chop and chop and chop because you need to keep only what's important to the story and Mm -hmm. moves the story around and you need to get rid of everything else because no one wants to listen to all that. No. Yeah. Less is more and even more so now than ever before. Like our attention spans because it's like, oh, you said like that. It, like there's just there's so much. But your events matter and what the, or the work of our nonprofits are doing matter. And it is a perfect mix of or it's an imperfect mix because it's not, you know, what works for one doesn't work for others, but you've got to try it out. But I would say that there is some things and you've shared a lot of that wisdom today, Matt, like there are some things that work. And there are some things that 
are tried and true and you keep doing them after 25 years because you know they work. And I think there's that, you know, that solid foundation and then you get to play with with the other bits. And because if it if it ain't broke, but it's not ignore it. <laughs> you know, it's right. not spice it up. It's not necessarily do the same ceremony script for 25 years, but there's some fundamentals, I believe, and I think you shared a lot of those that that still hold true today to make your event pretty epic. And I think the the thing I would say to sum it up is consider your onset experience in your ceremony as an asset. Consider it as an opportunity, not a pain in the ass that I have to yep. find somebody to do this, but an opportunity. It is the only time that you're going to get to talk to your participants all at once yep. and hopefully keep their attention. And so get excited about that. Say, what mm-hmm. do I want them to know about us? What, you know, mm-hmm. and, and don't be beholden to thanking everybody and don't be beholden to all the things right. that people think they have to do. Be yeah. beholden to your cause and, and yeah. make people laugh, cheer and cry. Yeah. Definitely. Matt, I could talk to you forever and ever. And I'm grateful that I get to because you're my friend. So if uh, all these people that are taking notes and they're listening again and they want to get in touch with you, what's the best place for someone to find you? Vented.net. E-B-E-N-T-A-G-E dot net. Perfect. We will will link that in the show notes. And Matt, I am so grateful that we finally got to do this. What our listeners don't know is I think we've rescheduled this about four or five times, but I truly believe in the universe finding the right time. And today was perfect. So thank you so much for your time, Matt. You're a busy guy. And thank you for all the work that you do, not only for the nonprofits, but you inspire so many of us in the business, or at least I know you do for me, that you inspire me to be better at my job and to do more. And you can, every time I speak to you, I learn something new. So thank you for that. It's very kind of me. Thank you for having me on and for doing this for our, our world and our business of crazy people who keep fighting the good fight. <laughs> so totally. I, we will celebrate with a cocktail at the Peter Peer Conference as we yeah. always do every year. As we always do. I can't wait. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Thanks so much for listening and doing good in the world. We see you. We can't wait for you to join us next time when we hear from another good human who will share their story along with tips and tricks that will help you execute extraordinary events that are sure to have a lasting impact on your participants, beneficiaries, donors, and colleagues. Make sure you follow Real Talk for the Nonprofit Event Pro wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review the show so other nonprofit event pros just like you can find our podcast so they too can create events that matter. Tune in next week to laugh, cry and cheer with us on another episode of Real Talk for the Nonprofit Event Pro. See you soon. Hey, good human. Are you hitting roadblocks with your events and marketing and need a bit of help to take it to the next level? We've got you. Sign up for our monthly hot seat coaching where we will answer your questions live on the podcast. That's right. You'll get to join me, Amy Milne, and my colleague, Lisa Cohen, right here on Real Talk for the Nonprofit Event Pro Podcast. And we will share our expertise to help you with your specific questions. Sound good? Great. Fill out the quick form by following the link in the show notes and we'll take it from there. We're stoked to have you on the podcast, Good Human Listener, to guide you through your current challenges. Keep it real.